Georgie? The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Come with me if you want to live. Hello and welcome to Direct to Nowhere, the section of the Road to Nowhere podcast in which we invite a guest on to discuss one of their favourite directors and pick three movies from that director. I'm your host Andy and today I'm joined by the host of the Mark and Me podcast, Mark Widget. I've got to know Mark quite well over the past few months. Um, he has one of the best and biggest podcasts around in terms of his output and his the quality of the podcast, the the level of the guests that he has on. Um, this was a great chat about one of his favourite directors, who is Kevin Smith, and I hope you enjoy. No, I'm a guy. Give me two popsicle sticks of rubber band. I'll find a way to fuck it, like a filthy MacGyver. Delighted to be joined on the show today by the host of the Mark and Me podcast, Mark Widget. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, my friend? Hey, not bad. Uh, much better than yesterday when the sun wasn't out. And the, I don't know if you've seen the, the rain up in Scotland, but it was pissing it down horribly. Thankfully, I stayed indoors. But, I'm really glad this has happened as well. I mean, for the listeners, this is probably, I'm not exaggerating now, what, nine months of trying to make this work? Not far off that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yesterday was the latest in a long line of last-minute rescheduling. Yeah, there's been quite a lot of cancellations and um, rescheduling, but we are finally here. This is actually real and happening. I know. I know, as I said before, we're off-board, but not actually just a figment of each other. No. I've been speaking to you for a long... I think I talk to you now more than my own wife. I think we talk pretty much <laughs> all day, every day on Twitter, yeah, but um, much. Yeah. now I've actually met you. Right. I'm always getting told by my wife to get off the phone, and if I told her it was because I'm speaking to another man, I might get into trouble. <laughs> I know. Well, now the whole world know, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, just for a, a quick intro, just a bit about yourself. Obviously, I mentioned you're the host of the Market Me podcast. Um, how did that kind of? And you've also had skip to the end before as well. Yeah. Um, how did you get into podcasting initially? Was it was it through skip to the end? Um, yeah. To be honest, which was lead very nicely into our topic today but um i was a huge fan of kevin smith's podcast and if you think about seven or eight years ago podcasting wasn't like it is now so for uh people out there that was just everyone was talking all about the smodcast which is kevin's podcast and everybody you meet now who's either a footballer or in a band or a wrestler they've all got a podcast um but back then it wasn't like that uh so me and my friend Ben and Adam at the time we were just going to pubs and talking about films that we'd seen at the cinema, sat around a table. And one night we just said, God, that was a really good conversation. You know, we're just literally just talking over a beer. So we recorded it after think, I think we'd seen uh, Captain America or something. Uh, and mm-hmm. we sat down and talked about it and it sounded really good. So we put it out yeah. there and yeah, seven or eight years later, nearly 15 and a half million downloads. Film four right. voted number one podcast in the country. Uh, yeah, it went incredible. Uh, but it's now gone. So Skip to the End is no more. And then Mark and me launched because what we were doing is going to a lot of Comic Cons and we were getting to speak to guests and then using those interviews as part of Skip to the End. So we met people like Gillian Anderson and stars of Marvel shows and stuff. 
And it was like, oh God, this is really good, but it doesn't work with the format of our Skip the End podcast because that was just movie reviews and game shows and rewatches and competitions. So then suddenly I'm left with this opportunity, like, do you want to interview so-and-so? And do you want to interview this person at this press junket? And I'm like, ah, oh, this feels wrong to be saying no to these amazing <laughs> names. So as I was always doing the interviews and enjoying them on Mark and on Skip to the End, I thought, do you know what? I will do my own thing at the same time. So I'll launch my own little podcast, really simple, just me talking to one person and then putting the conversations out because I think there's a bit of a lost art with long conversations. I think the way we all are now with a very short attention span, people just want these TikTok videos of two minutes or 30 seconds even. But I miss the long kind of like Louis through long interviews where you get, you know, really to find out about the people. So I've been very lucky with Mark and me that I've been able to interview literally my absolute idols um and yeah. i've just about approaching episode 240 which blows my mind five years and i've had genuinely some of the biggest names out there and that's not meant to sound arrogant it's the truth you know anthony hopkins yeah. um cory feldman some of the people of twin peaks aubrey plaza mm. neil blonkamp you name it they've been on yeah right one of the ones i've just listened to the other day and actually messaged you about it was uh, Charlie Cox yeah and I didn't realize he was English it's <laughs> crazy absolutely crazy and he's really well spoken and really posh and like one of the most English sounding <laughs> people ever but yeah that was amazing uh and then to find out on that interview that he's coming back for Daredevil at the time was unbelievable yeah yeah that's excellent I can't wait for that uh, to see you guys obviously the time of this recording we've seen him in She-Hulk yeah um and getting his 18 18 episode series he's getting through Marvel I think so yeah it seems huge but I mean I'm happy to see that again bring back John Bernthal as well oh god that'd be amazing um, maybe not the Iron Fist guy but um, (laughs) uh, Luke Cage as well I wouldn't mind him back Um, so you mentioned Skip to the End is that now completely done I noticed there's occasionally an Um, episode would drop or is it just we, we we did like a lockdown special uh, we did an Oscars sort of special because we used to love doing them. And they were really popular episodes. I mm. think the way it is at the moment, I, I don't, I don't want to say because obviously there's three people to consider. There's me, Ben, and Gemma. Um, yeah. I went to a wrestling event with Ben, which is in the UK. They had a WWE show in Wales, and mm. we were talking in the car on the way back. So I'll just tease that at the moment that <laughs> we, we are talking about stuff, and you know, Christmas isn't too far away. Oh. Interesting. Keep my eyes peeled or ears. Peeled. You might you might have got an exclusive there before anybody ah, else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I should put that tweet about that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, so coming on to Mark and me, just saying you've had some of the biggest names in music, film, uh, a TV. Is there a, a moment for you that you that still kind of takes you back? Maybe it was. Uh, I take takes you back a wee bit. Like I mean, interviewed somebody like Andy Hopkins, and that seems it's quite. For me, personally, if I was interviewing Anthony Hopkins, it would seem really surreal. Like, Yeah, all of it seems surreal sometimes because mm. when I speak to people about trying to get a guest on, they ask for a list of previous guests. And when you're writing the names like Aubrey Plaza or Mads Mikkelsen or, you know, it, it's like, oh, wow. But I don't actually digest the fact that they've actually been on because when I edit yeah. it, I sit there and I'm in the zone and I normally do it while it's fresh. So I'll record an interview say mm-hmm. with neil marshall we're talking about some of my favorite horrors and we're like wow this is great dream come true but then it's like going into that kind of mode of editing it polishing it making yeah. it sound great 
put it out there for the world to listen to. And before I've even got time to digest what has just happened, I'm on to my next one. So it's only now and then when I look back and either do like a, an account of the month I've just had, or I don't know, someone might just say something like, who've you had on? And I go onto Spotify and I'm like, oh, Charlie Cox and this. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, but, but I think one of my biggest achievements, and I'm not just saying this because you're here now, is the work I've done launching with Kevin Smith and then having Jason Muse, Brian O'Halloran, Jeff, who plays Randall. I recently had Pillow Pants himself, Elias. I've had, honestly, I should write all these down, but there's about <laughs> nine or 10 people from the Viewerskew universe. And mm-hmm. it's just, just crazy that I've had that amount of people. So Kevin Smith, Jason Muse, Brian O'Halloran, Ethan Suppley as a load. And you mentioned there, obviously... Your first guest was Kevin Smith, the director we're going to talk about today. How did that come about, really? It seems quite a get for the first one. Yeah, so it's a nice little story, actually. So if I was ever going to have a dream guest on Mark and Me, it would be the person that made me pick up the microphone. And that really is Kevin Smith. I can't say enough how much I respect his work he's done and absolute mm. my absolute idol so maybe that should have been something I worked towards so like episode 200 could have been Kevin Smith so yeah. maybe launching with your dream guest was just crazy because then how do you follow that but I knew he was in the UK and I don't know if I've told this story he was basically in London at the Prince Charles doing a introduction to his new film at the time which was called Yoga Hosers And they were doing a screening, which wasn't in the cinema, so it was just there. And then he'd come on and do his little bit, and at the end, thank everyone for coming. And I actually put a tweet out saying, I'm going to do all I can today to try and interview Kevin Smith. And I think people at that point would have thought, okay, so he's doing it for Skip to the End. Mm -hmm. I documented it, so I put a little photo of me on the train on the way down there. I then put on Twitter, like, oh, I'm at the venue now. And there was nothing pre-planned at all. Uh, So I'm sat in the screening. Kevin comes out, does a thanks for coming, talks for 10 or 15 minutes about his new film, and then walks out of the cinema straight towards the back doors. And I'm like, right, this is like your (laughs) go-to chance to try and get him. So I had my phone on me because I didn't have any recording gear. And I followed him out, not in a stalker way, like in a natural way. (laughs) He held the door and I went past. I said, Kevin, I know that you might not have any free time. I understand you're really busy. But I thought I'd ask the question as you're here. I'm launching a podcast and really wanted just five minutes with you if I can. And he was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, oh my God, like, I didn't think he was going to say this. My heart's racing. I'm nervous. I didn't really have any questions planned because I didn't know if it would actually happen. But he said, I'm just taking my daughter um, out for some food. So I'm going to go to the restaurant, but you come back here when the film finishes and I'll meet you in reception. And I'm thinking, okay, he's fobbed me off. Like, no worries, but Okay, at least, yeah. he, at least he was, uh, at least I got to meet him again. And I was like, oh my God. He goes, but get back in there and watch the film. So I went back in, watched the film, didn't concentrate on the film one bit because I was thinking, oh my God, what am I going to ask him? This is my moment. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he will be there. And as the film finished, yeah. I walked out and there he was in reception and he gave me about 15 minutes of his time. I was absolutely nervous, um, mm. not prepared, but I asked a few questions and then that was it. I put it out there and that was uh, just over five years ago. Mm, yeah, the start of, as we've said, this podcast has had some of the, the biggest names in the world. And you've spoken about it before, but the name Mark and Me. <laughs> and as you can see, you've shown me the, the branded the branded headphones, the branded mic. 
Mac and Me is a movie which I think until I had heard your podcast, I hadn't heard about. No. And it's it's a, it's a very odd film. I've never seen the full thing, but I've certainly have, like, kind of researched clips and bits and pieces. And it's essentially a, a McDonald's advert turned into a movie. Pretty much. Um, I know they helped fund the film. I had the director on Mark and Me, Stuart Raphael. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't realise there was this sort of obsession as well. Paul Rudd is very obsessed with this film, so whenever he goes on talk shows, he always plays a little clip from the film. And I didn't know that, um, uh-huh. but I feel like I'm just as obsessed. I'd love to get Paul Rudd on Mark and Me and just dedicate the whole hour to talking about <laughs> Mac and Me. But uh-huh. on Skip to the End, we used to take a turn in picking a rewatch. So me, Ben and Gemma would each episode take a turn to pick another film that we would then watch again for the for the how many times or it might be a first discovery for somebody else who hadn't seen it and ben said mm-hmm. i'm picking this film called mac and me and i was like what mm-hmm. the hell is this and we went through a bit of a phase of picking bad films like troll 2 the room all these terrible mm-hmm. films that are you know cult classics because they're so bad and yeah. i watched it and honestly i i adored it and i just thought as bad as it is and there's product placement all the way through and they're pushing Skittles and Coca-Cola and McDonald's dance scenes that are totally irrelevant to the storyline. There was something about it that I just loved. And then I just became a bit obsessed. I bought all the posters and old stickers and just wanted to try and get everything I could. And um, yeah, even sitting here now, look at this. This is a first for you to see. But I've got a original 1980s one-sheet poster uh which is from america awesome and this is great for a podcast um Mm, but yeah uh, um (laughs) but i absolutely adore it and i love all the stuff about Mm. this film and yeah so i thought when i was coming up with a podcast name i didn't know what to call it so it's a bit of a spin-off i just said mark and me because it is me and the guest and actually it works quite well yeah that's perfect you said speaking to the director about it as well so you're getting the Inside track on well, the thing the, is, the right? Movie. So I've I've had him on, and um, <clears throat> he's not doing much now. He just sort of like wildlife documentaries and stuff. But there's mm-hmm. the two kids in the film, and one of them now owns a car dealership. He's not working in a films, and he doesn't really like to be associated with that part of his life anymore. Oh, okay. And r- randomly, last night I was speaking to him, and he just doesn't want to talk about it. He just uh, respectfully says, "Look, there's just no point in me revisiting that period of my life." But for me to get the cast on is a dream. I still no. don't want to give up, but I, I think I've got to be realistic and more respect, kind of a bit more respectful, because they just don't want to talk about this film. <laughs> Oh, my God. Eric! 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 Eric!
Um, so the we'll come on now. I think talking about Kevin Smith. You said that's the director you've chose for today. Um, you mentioned obviously when you spoke about meeting him for the podcast and things. But what's your relationship with his movies? When did you discover them? What was the first one of his that you seen? Um, when I went to university, one of my good friends, Craig. I went to visit his halls in Manchester and mm-hmm. on the side he had this region one, um, I'm sure my age now, uh, kind of DVD of mm-hmm. clerks and the cover was quite colorful. It was the black and white image and then the writing of each letter is a different color and it just caught my eye and I said, oh, what's this dude? And he said, oh, it's quite a cult film, but I'm not sure you'll like it, but it's by Kevin Smith. And I'm like, oh, I don't know who that is. And he said it's a really, really good film. Tarantino's raves about it. It's it's funny. I think, you know, as you're a comic reader, you might like it. Give it a go. So I borrowed it and then fell in love with it. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy's making films I didn't know could be made. It's like yeah. he's inside my head making the film that I'd love to make. And instantly I was like, I need to watch more films by this guy. So straight away, as you do, you get on the Internet and I ordered chasing amy the criterion uh blue uh not blu-ray dvd mm-hmm. and i think i got more ads quite cheap off ebay but they weren't easy to find they weren't like you every day you don't just go into hmv and get them back then yeah and just that was it mate that was the start of the journey i was like absolutely obsessed and i've been on the journey now since clerks all the way now to clerks free my first thing my first kind of introduction to him was dogma actually. wow the first thing i had heard of him um and it was very similar to yourself. Then you go back and you try and find his work, and especially Clerks was really difficult to get hold yeah. of. And it was almost kind of mythical status for me at that point because you could get. I think I could get a hold of Mallrats fairly easy. I think I managed to somehow get a hold of Chase Amy, but Clerks was just the one that kept getting away. And I think eventually I ended up getting a German. Wow, DVD <laughs> was the first time I got it, and then maybe like. Two or three months later, they released Clerks X, which is amazing. In the UK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was, and again, yeah, falling in love with the characters and he's, he's just the style of writing. Um, and then there was also Jane Silent Bob. I would have been too young. I think that was two thousand and one, wasn't it? Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, I watched. I watched that in the cinema. I went to see it at uni. So in that time, I discovered uh, him, checked out his work, and then I was lucky enough to be able to go and see it. Actually, God, I'm old. Yeah, so I got to actually go and see that at the Odeon. I couldn't believe they were showing it, but it was quite quite a big release for Kevin. Um, and you yeah. could go and see it in the cinema, and it obviously had Will Farrell and people like that in. So Ben Affleck was in it again, and all these amazing kind of um, cameos from people like Mark Hamill. Um, so it was great. Uh, and I went to the cinema, and I was just thinking, this is a dream. Like this is all those characters I fell in love with recently in their own <laughs> little film. Yeah, I had to wait for the DVD release and then get my mum and dad to buy me. Wow. So <laughs> I would have been, when that came out, I'd have been 14. So I had to wait a while and then had to sit and watch it with them, oh God. which is quite an awkward situation. But uh, it, it, it stuck with me. Um, and I still, again, Jane Silent Bob maybe isn't one of his better thought of, certainly critically, but that's just more a fan movie, I think. Yeah. But she's really good at making. Um, and I still love it. I love, I love all his work, to be honest. But from I've still never seen yoga hosers. No, um, maybe maybe keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. I have. <laughs> Seems an odd one to say the least. You're saying there it was the introduction to clerks, and that'll bring us on now to talk about the first movie uh, that we're going to discuss today, and it is clerks. Da-da. 
Salsa shark. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Throughout history, they have been a part of our American life. Men and women who have made it their mission to serve their fellow man. They've worked hard enough. Isn't it time? They had their own movie. Clerks. This job would be great if it wasn't for the customers. I, I don't bother them and they don't bother me. I could do without the people in the video store. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? You should hear the barrage of stupid questions I get. What do you mean there's no ice? You mean I gotta drink this coffee hot? You'd feel a hell of a lot better if you just rip into the occasional customer. <laughs> You're a clerk, paid to do a job. You can't just do anything you want while you're working. Convenience store, do you run here? Miramax Films presents. You think anybody can see us down here? Why? Do you want to have sex or something? <sighs> can we? Clerks, just because they serve you doesn't mean they like you. You hate people, but I love gatherings. Isn't it ironic? Featuring new music by Soul Asylum, Corrosion of Conformity, Bad Religion, The Jesus Lizard, and music by Alice in Chains. Do you want to give us a kind of brief synopsis for clerks? God, I hate doing these. I had to do one the other day <laughs> for The Thing with Tim Coleman. Um, yeah. It's basically about life in a convenience store, which is in New Jersey. It's called The Quick Stop. And the main characters, Dante and Randall, and working every day in a convenience store, how much basically the customers suck and how you yeah. get by working in this job. And it's Kevin Smith's first ever film. It's in black and white. The budget was from credit cards and selling his comics collection and basically mm -hmm. maxed out as many cards as he could and borrowed money. But mm -hmm. it was then obviously just blew up um, absolutely huge and now is a genuine cult classic and people obsess over it. But a lot of people don't realize that his first film's black and white. Mm. Um, I remember the days of torrenting films uh, illegally <laughs> and I was at uni and my friend James was like, oh, what's that good film again? I was like, Clerks. And he's like, okay, I've downloaded it on Pirate Bay or LimeWire or whatever it was. But he goes, <laughs> I've got a really dodgy version. It's in black and white. And I always laugh at that because I'm like, no, dude, it is black and white. Like it does, it's meant to look that bad. It's done on mm -hmm. a very low budget. But um, yeah, it's it's basically about how customers are the worst people in the world. Yeah. And Julie's gum representatives are dicks as well. I love that. <laughs> um, talking about the black and white side of it, it's. I think it, was it made that was that decision made financially, wasn't it? It was a lot cheaper to film yeah. black and white than it would have been in color. Uh, Kevin and Scott Mosier um, were working on that on such a tight budget. I think Kevin borrowed money off his family, and you know he was still at film school and stuff. So I think I think they basically did all they could to reduce the cost and putting in black and white was the i think the best thing about it you know looking back now yeah. i think it's nostalgic it doesn't need to be color most of it's just shot in the convenience store and it's something mm -hmm. nice it gives you that real old trip down memory lane feeling especially now when there's references to clerks in clerks free and all his other work has been so colorful and bright we now get that classic mm -hmm. first start of his work yeah it certainly has its charm as you're saying and it is one of the better parts of it, it almost makes it feel Salem, when I had a rewatch recently, like we get now with found footage movies, 
because it's all handheld, it has that element of found footage documentary style, not not strict documentary style, but certainly a feel of that when you're It's watching. like nice and raw, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love it. And one of the, the kind of the main things with Kevin Smith is his script writing and his ability to flesh out characters and the kind of quick wit that he's got in his writing. Has his script writing been better than Clerks? I think all his stuff's great, but Oh. It just seems that this was a kind of perfect amalgamation. Yeah, because you're introduced to these characters, people like Dante and Randall. I mean, Randall's just awful, isn't he, as a person? He's just so bad, but I love him. Yeah. Uh, and Jeff Anderson puts in a great performance. But through their comments and just little lines like, I'm not supposed to even be here today, and mm. just the frustration of working in retail, the dialogue is crucial to this film because there's not a lot of set pieces, there's not lots of different special effects or. You know, it's it's literally down to dialogue, like early sort of Tarantino work. And the script for me is perfect. Um, it's really dark in places. There's some real crude jokes and toilet humor, but mm. it, it's it's everything you love for him. And I think he has topped it. Um, we'll talk about it, I'm okay. sure. I think Chase Amy is his mm-hmm. best script he's ever done, but that's personal. Um, and I think that's the closest sort of film you get to kind of like the feel of like a John Hughes film. Um, mm-hmm. But that's me and Chase and Amy's in my top five films of all time so it's it's really hard to not sound too biased and two of the kind of standout moments of the script in this or certainly the standout moments in the in the movie Dante and Ronald discussing Death Star contractors it's amazing the, the, the third the, the second Death Star sorry the third Death Star I'm getting way too ahead of myself there um, and just the the way that it makes sense what they're saying as well and other people getting involved in the conversation, just customers as they're passing by. Like there's a contractor who's there who says, I know about my customers when I, or my clients when I'm going to work for them. I know their political leanings, their political background, so I can make a decision based on that, I think the guy says. And just how yeah, just how much sense it makes when they're talking about contractors in the desk. It's brilliant. It's, it's really sharp and it's really intelligent. And we get that ongoing kind of Star Wars reference and through all his films, you know. Um yeah like you and Nubian and all these sorts of things. And, um, you know how much he loves star Wars. You get it literally. I think every film he's made, there'll be a star Wars reference in it at times. Um, and the fact that he actually got Mark Hamill then to be in his film later on, is just, it must be. And, yeah. and, um, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. So, Carrie Fisher season, um, none, yeah. Who, uh, <laughs> lives by the book, uh, but yeah, right incredible. <laughs> Yeah, if you're going to get a cameo for Carrie Fisher, why not make her a nun who gets attempted to get oral sex for Jake? I should do. Why not? Perfect role, yeah. It's Princess Leia, then the nun in the car. Amazing. Um, (laughs) The hockey scene is always something that gets referenced as well. And before coming on for chatting with yourself, it had been a while since I'd actually rewatched Clerks. And it was a lot shorter than I remember. It's quite, again, iconic in its sort of even in its simplicity, just with them basically Dante's supposed to have had a hockey game, but he's been called into work and he's not getting a lit way, so they play hockey on the roof. And it's quite a it feels very like a lived in scene almost yeah. if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. I think it reminds me a little bit of and I know this film came afterwards, but in Wayne's world when they're on the street and Garth and um Wayne are playing street hockey and I mm-hmm. feel like I love it. I feel like, what would you do if you were working in retail and you had a bit of free time? You would mess around. You'd either be outside kicking a football about or the fact they go on the roof and they have this amazing setup. And Kevin absolutely loves hockey. 
we always hear him reference Wayne Gretzky in m- most of his speeches. And, you know, he used to play with the Viewerskew board members uh, hockey tournaments. So he oh. absolutely adores hockey. So for him to put it in there was no surprise. But um, uh-huh. I love that scene. I love it all. And I love the fact that we get another spoiler alert. We get another hockey scene in Clerks 3. Ah, uh, yeah, it's perfect. Um, and then we spoke about Dante and Randall and Randall being a bit of a dick. And I think in Clerks, and maybe even Clerks 2 as well, Dante still is a bit of a dick as well. Yep. Like, he seems to be a guy who doesn't know when he's got it good and is always looking for... He's, he's always looking back. Yeah. Um, kind of... Uh, not Maybe not nostalgically, but certainly felt like what he had before was better. And it's... Interesting that when we move on to Clerks 3, which we'll have a wee chat about 2 and 3 just at the end of this, um, how he's kind of developed kind of personally through his personal journey in over nearly 20 years. No, sorry, 30 years, God, that's, that's scary. Crazy. <laughs> three movies. Um, I think, yeah, I think you're right there. Like, he isn't the most likable character um, because mm. you're frustrated with him because you just want him to, like, mm. Look, you've got someone good. You've got someone that's bringing you lasagna to work. You've got someone, and he's still finding faults about the past. You know, like you suck thirty-seven dicks. Like it, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, it's a great line, and it's been the most yeah. quoted line for any Kevin Smith world. But you just want him to do well, and then we'll talk about mm-hmm. Clerks too. But then when he meets Emma, and he has someone else in his life that could be so much better for him, he's still getting caught up. And it's, I don't know. I never feel like he's got control of his own existence or his life and i when i'm watching him mm-hmm. i get frustrated like why are you not making the best of your situation you're in and yeah, you know when, when we see i mean if you're done if you want to talk about clerks two and clerks three but we, yeah, is it, you know I, I think yeah. his acting as brian o'halloran i think his acting is incredible um in clerks three um he made me cry yeah. and i'm not embarrassed to admit that and when he's on the screen with Becky, who's Rosario Dawson, who's an absolutely incredible actress, he never struggles once. You're not sitting there thinking, "Oh God, he's out of his league." And no. I, I, you know, Clerks Two for me is one of the most perfect sequels around. I think it's so well done. There's the budget there; it's in color. We have all the stuff in movies going on. Elias, <laughs> not just because he's been on Mark and Me recently, Elias is one of my favorite characters. Uh, the chemistry that he has with Dante and Randall is just hilarious. And some of the lines and the dialogue, I think this is all the prime work of Kevin Smith. I think we'll talk later on. I don't believe he's making the films as good as he did, except Clerks 3. Clerks 3 is mm-hmm. brilliant. But when we saw stuff like Tusk and stuff, it, it didn't have that kind of character that you wanted or were rooting for that you could relate to. I mean, you can't really relate to a guy in a war suit, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He seems definitely he's more comfortable dealing with the the clerks characters in that kind of viewers universe yeah. sort of thing that he's he's developed over the years. Um, yeah, we can have a, a quick uh, chat on two and three. Then I think I'd, again I rewatched Clerks two actually after watching Clerks three, just because Clerks three is great. We won't go into too much spoilers because it's fairly new and it's just a gut punch right from the start yeah. all the way through right to the end. It certainly feels like his more emotion, his most emotional film. That he just puts his heart into it completely, his heart and soul, and everything about himself 
onto the screen. And you use the word heart, which is quite ironic because obviously it's all about the heart attack and his own experience that he went through where he almost died and he's had to change his whole lifestyle, lose weight, be healthier. And he really did kind of, people don't realize he really almost died. Um, So he's kind of got like a second chance. So that's why I think he's made the film that we want to see, that he's put himself in Dante and Randall's story. And yeah, yeah, it's full of heart and that's not meant to be a pun. It's true. Um, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful film. It, it's ridiculous. And some of the shots and acting is just beyond a joke with some of the characters. I, I don't want to spoil it because it's so new, but yeah, it's it's Clerks 2 is yeah. brilliant. I didn't know if it'd work. You know, the magic of the first one is it could be a perfect on its own one piece film and it would still be perfect. It has yeah. a great ending, but to see them mm-hmm. where they are at that stage in their life, developing relationships and still working together but in a different environment like i said the introduction yeah. of other characters it's it's great it's such a really well made film and i know that the cast had an absolute blast and you can just tell they're all having the time of their life on that set mm-hmm. yeah because to as well for me it's the most kind of jokes per minute yeah. movie out of the three of them it feels like You're proper laugh out loud jokes the um elias's reason for not having sex or not kissing his girlfriend with a uh, pillow. I keep going to say poly pissy pants. That's a fucking sound. Pillow part. pants, yeah. <laughs> pillow pants. And uh, Lister Fiend is the reason he's not kissed a girlfriend. It's amazing. And the mouth troll. <laughs> and there's just a sinister background music getting played when he's discussing these two characters. Um, and you're watching Randall's face sit there like, oh my God, <laughs> Like you're giving me the most amazing, incredible bait here that i'm going to use against you for the rest of your life yeah definitely and uh, the, the the chat of the the trilogy chat yeah where there's only one return and it, it sure as shit isn't to the king um makes the guy throw up and it's that's i think that's randall at his best when he's doing the kind of amazing the piss take out a lot of the rings the three films um, that are just about walking this is the first film walking and it's <laughs> it's good because kevin smith then has like a little pop at some fans as well and for the culture that is online where you get people are like trolling other people about star wars versus lord of the rings and that's all the stuff i love because they're the sort of silly conversations you'd have with your mates uh yeah. yourself and you're probably sat there arguing about which film's the best of the trilogy and all this so it's it's great i love all of it mm-hmm. um and then as you're seeing new characters getting introduced uh, rosario dawson is becky's fantastic and clerks too as well you get a new side to jane silent bob where they're they found Jesus, but they're drug dealers. But they don't—is it they don't use or something? Like they just... I think they just supply and don't use. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Jay in that film's wild. I just—I watched mm. it again recently, and I just like—he's just on another level. Like yeah. he's turned up to eleven. It's amazing. He's on so much energy in him, and he's just like a kid being let off the leash. I love it. It's so funny. Aye, and again, this is cameo filled as well. Ben Affleck's briefly on it, and uh, oh god, Jason Lee. Jason Lee, as he turns up as pickle fucker. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but it's great, again, seeing all these, not the same characters, obviously, but all these actors that have been kind of throughout Kevin Smith's work. Um, I think we'll we'll, can I, we'll draw a line under Clerks for the minute and we'll move on to your second pick. And it's going chronologically, it's Mulrats. I've never met a person who lives in as much fear of his mother as you do. You want I should tell my mother what we do in here at night? What, that you play video games and I fall asleep unfulfilled? 
Oh, she calls you callow in here. You say that like it's bad. Well, it means frightened and weak-willed. That was the only part of the letter I thought was complimentary. This is Brody's private hell. Where the hell did that come from? What's going on here? And these... Brody man, noochie-noochies! ...are his friends. Ow! Oh, sorry. It's all right. What's a stink palm? Take your hand, you stick it like this. <clears throat> there, now you shake hands with the guy. You know how long it takes for that smell to come off? <laughs> If you stare at these things long enough, you're supposed to see some kind of hidden three-dimensional picture. Oh, yeah, look, it's a sailboat. You saw it too, damn it! We, uh, we slept together one time, remember, in high school, that, that ski trip? That was you? Dude, this looks like your mom. Bye-bye, Easter Bunny. There is no Easter Bunny! You know about this game show thing they got going on here? Well, we need you guys to somehow ensure that it doesn't happen. Fly, badass, fly! Good evening, and welcome to Truth or Date. Second suitor, would you ever make Whoopi in public? No, I, I think that's kind of personal. I don't think I should answer that. Mall rats. You said it was a good size. When a girl says it's a good size, it's a nice way of saying that it's small. What else did you expect from the director of Clerks? Hey! Again, just a quick synopsis for mall rats. It's quite a... This is, uh, what <laughs> life is like in a mall. Uh, or yeah. as we would say over here, like a... A shopping arcade or a shopping uh, centre. Again, what retail's like, what the customers are like, what antics happen in a day-to-day life of running one. And we Mm. just get some crazy, crazy, stupid um, performances. I think Jason Lee as Brody is amazing. Uh, Jason Lee is one of my dream guests to have on Mark and Me. I adore him. And his casting as Brody is incredible. Um, Is it Mick? What's it? Is it Mickey? Mickey? Uh, what's the guy's name for the chocolate covered pretzel? Oh, uh, Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker again. Yeah. Before yeah. the world of um, Guardians of the Galaxy, he sent. He's incredible uh, as like the villain, and Jay and Silent Bob in this film really become their own thing. Uh, they break away. Yeah. We don't need Dante and Randall. But the tragic thing about this film was that. I watched recently a documentary by Malcolm Ingram called Clerk, which is a dedication of right, Kevin right. Smith and all his work. Is just how much this film bombed. Yeah, it was like like John Carpenter with the thing. He had this incredible backstory and previous work, and they're given the budget. He's got the studio. He's got all this amazing gear to use, but it just bombed. And it was only afterwards where people started buying the VHS and DVD. It really became its own thing, but. Mm it did like something like 5% of what they were trying to predict as a box office. Like really, really, like one of the biggest bombs ever. But I love it. I love Jay and Silent Bob in this film. Kevin Smith's a lot more confident in this um, role. His directing with Scott Mosier again feels more confident. The different angles he uses on the camera and directing is 
more intelligent and you just see him grow as a filmmaker. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, the film is all about sort of Stan Lee and Jason Lee. And I think between, yeah. between those two, it's, it's just superb. It's it's definitely it feels like he's as you're saying he's got the bigger budget. It's more set piecey. Yeah, there's a lot more like Jane Silent Bob having continual failed sabotage of the stage at the of the uh, truther truther. Oh God, what's the name of the game? I think I can't remember that now at all. Uh, truther Love or something. It's basically like, like Blind Date. Yeah, yeah, um, and TS. Is basically TS and Brody are basically wanting to sabotage the stage, yeah. so the game gets cancelled because um, TS's girlfriend is wanting to propose, but her dad doesn't like him and gets her onto the show to stop him going away to Florida with her. And yeah, the, like the set pieces in this, you've got a uh, Silent Bob continually crashing into changing room to see Joy Laurel Adams. Get I love that little cameo. Time. I love that. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. And at that yeah. point, you don't realise that she's then going to be chasing Amy. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kevin and uh, Joey dated for quite a while. Right, okay, I don't know. Yeah. What's her full name, yeah. sorry? Is it Joey Laurel? Yeah, Adams? that's the one, yeah. Right. I, I never. Yeah. Uh, that's another one I need on Mark and me. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like she's not. She had like in a, a point in the 90s where she was popping up in a lot more. Yeah, she was in and quite a few films and then just, just disappeared. Yeah. Um, it's the voice. Her voice is quite iconic sounding. That kind of husky. I think some people either love it or hate it. Um, <clears throat> mm. We watched a documentary the other day and I could see my wife was getting wound up with her voice. It's like, oh, it's too screechy. Yeah. But I'm like, no, it's great. It's like iconic. Uh-huh. And we get also, um, I think, is this Ben Affleck's first? big movie role i think it is uh one of his very early roles and oh my god he's just an arsehole isn't he absolute arsehole um the, shannon he reminds me of like biff in back to the future you just hate him the moment he comes on the screen uh mm. everything about him makes me cringe but that's what you want from a performance when you don't you know you kind of want the villain of the story um yeah. and affleck owes a lot to kevin smith like kevin smith mm. got him then obviously future roles in chasing amy and then it leads on to much, much, much bigger things. But my God, the guy's been Batman since, which is pretty, pretty yeah. unbelievable to get your head around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember listening, I think it was to a Smodcast episode where I think Affleck had just been announced. And I wasn't very happy about it at the time, but I listened to that episode and you can see that it meant a lot for Kevin as well. That Ben Affleck had got this, and I don't think they. I think they went through a phase of not really talking to each other. Those years, well. yeah. I think I think yeah. it was only a couple of years ago. There was some picture where him and Kevin were like, it might have been when they were talking about Morats two or something, or and they kind of got together. And I don't think there was any beef or anything. I just think they just faded away, but they they kind of rekindled. Yeah. And uh, we've mm-hmm. seen now, obviously, with um, Clerks three, they're back friends, and he's got a cameo, and yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. He was in the reboot as well, wasn't Yeah, he? I don't like that film. In... I really struggle with that film. You know what I mean? No, I, I don't want to, you know, this is all about my positivity, about how much I <laughs> genuinely inspire to be like Kevin Smith and every day has an influence on my life, truly. Um, but I just didn't get it. It felt too cheap. It was amateurly made. And I just don't think it was, there was no point to it. It was just a little bit meta. And I just thought it, did, it just didn't work. I was, yeah. I was quite happy that that film finished. I've only seen it once, so yeah. I can tell you. It's, it was a kind of one and done. I was happy to see some um, cameos. I was happy to see old characters back. Um, 
and that was really it from what I remember. I didn't hate it, no. but it just felt like it was just a, that was okay. Exactly, kind of it, that it was it okay. Was a very, aye, it was a very, it felt like a fan service movie that didn't really, as if Kevin Smith was looking at it from himself as being the fan, not the actual yeah. fan input, if you get what I mean. So we mentioned, you mentioned obviously this is about two people, Jason Lee and Stan Lee, and they have a Stanley cameo before the MCU was even a thing. I know it's mind blowing, isn't it? It's just fantastic. I also forget yeah. he's died. It's tragic. I always forget. So mm. when I watch stuff with him in, I always forget and to remind myself like he's no longer with us. But we even saw in was it Captain Marvel? He's got a cameo. Mm. He's sitting on the on the uh, bus and he's reading the script for Morats, and I love that. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of almost like a you know to. I was going to maybe mention this at the end of the third movie, but Kevin Smith's world building. There's always mentions of characters from previous movies, and I think Rick Derris is the first one I've really noticed. He was mentioned in Clerks, and he was mentioned in Mallrats, because uh, Joey Little Adams' character was dating T.S. and fucked Rick Derris on a pool table or something <laughs> like that. I think he's a line, because they were dressed up as Smokey and the Bandit. It's testament to him that he was trying this at such an early stage when these shared universes weren't really a thing. And that's what people have got to remember. You can watch back now and say, oh yeah, but it's not like the Marvel Universe, but that wasn't in existence. That didn't happen. No. Um, and the way that he built it, I think it's incredible. The whole Viewerskew universe is amazing and you will always relate to a character. There will always be someone you hate that you love and to see them continuously put in these films, even if it's just a cameo, even if it's just a little nod mm-hmm. to show that they're there. I love it. I love all the characters. And I think Jay and Silent Bob are iconic. Um, I kind of, again, I'm not trying to be negative. I liked that Silent Bob was silent. And then when he did talk, it was always an important thing. So you'd only have, you know, one page of dialogue for a whole hour and a half film, if you're lucky that much. And what he said was really crucial and really important. And we kept that in Clerks 3, but he overacts now and his facial expressions are too much. And the subtle kind of nods he did in clerks and uh chase Amy, his eyebrows just raising or the look he'd give to jay was so subtle but it was brilliant and i used to love that acting by kevin smith and he'd be so good and he would speak volumes of just the smallest little mannerism but now he's in your face like a clown and i really didn't like him in reboot and i'd struggled with him in um clerks free and it's not knocking him because you know, I'll, I'll keep saying this, he's my idol, but it was too much. It was like, oh, stop it. You're really in my face and his expressions are too much. And he's, it's, I, I really struggle with him now. Aye. He's, um, the early stuff, especially I think in Mallrats with him and Jay, Silent Bob and Jay, it feels almost Scooby-Doo-esque yeah. in terms of like cartoon humour. And they obviously cut in certain, uh, Sound effects in Mallrats as well. Like they're running away and there's like the the noise of someone sprinting. Like a, I don't know the, the exact word for it. It's almost like a, a gunshot or a, a, a I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that really works well, especially in Mallrats for those characters because they are almost kind of cartoony. The, the their whole kind of existence is cartoonish. Well, definitely. The, the, the poster by Drew Struzan is like a comic book strip. Mm. Um, so yeah. you're right. It really is. And I think the way it's filmed, I can imagine it being a storyboard of a comic. So it's very cartoon. Yeah. I love what you said about Scooby-Doo. It's a perfect example. <laughs> Mystery Machine. In fact, we even see that, don't In we? In Jane Bob's strip back, yeah. I think the most iconic Mallrats scene, certainly for me anyway, the one that stands out, is the chocolate-covered pretzel. Yeah, for me too. And I, I quote brilliant. that all the time. And 
I think uh, I'm surprised my wife hasn't got rid of me because if we ever get food, I'm like, do you want a chocolate-covered pretzel? And she's like, oh, grow up. <laughs> all right, so you can't scream at him, but after all he's done to you, you should still kind of stick it to him. How do you propose I do that? You stink palm. Stink palm. You take your hand, you stick it in your ass like this. You've been walking all day and you're all so nervous, so no doubt you'll be sweaty as hell. You should see yourself right now, a grown man with his hand down his pants. Yeah, I probably look like my old man. There, now you shake hands with the guy. Hey, Mr. Zvinning, how have you been? What's the point? You know how long it takes for that smell to come off? Scrub all you like, it'll stick around for at least two days. How does he explain it to his colleagues and family? They'll think he doesn't know how to wipe his ass properly. Meanwhile, you yourself are left with a hand that smells like shit. Small price to pay for the smiting, one's enemies. But um, it's amazing, it's so good. And the way we see the chocolate being rubbed into his hands and melted. If you haven't Aye. seen the film, you won't know what we're talking about. But um, no. amazing! Aye, it's um, it's certainly something I remember first time seeing it, not really understanding it. Because again, I think I saw this maybe so it would have been out ninety five, but I think I would have been thirteen, twelve, thirteen when I got it. I said, "What's so wrong with chocolate covered pretzels?" But then obviously forgetting that he'd stuck his hand up his ass. Yep. Spoiler, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's just uh, it's proper. If it's something they can almost gross out style of the movie there's more gross out humour I think the way Clerks was the kind of critical darling, this feels like the kind of naughty younger brother almost, Um, and it definitely plays on that, and with having a colour in a really colourful movie as well it just really works in the the chocolate cover pretzel thing, just it's a really fun good film, just to whack on if you've got mates over, like a beer and pizza film it's a really good hour and a half silly comedy mm. and they don't make films like that anymore stuff like there's there's that there's stuff like Coneheads, um mm. empire records there's those films that all came around the same sort of time dazed and confused they're yeah. really good sort of high school silly coming of age films and i love morats i think it, it's a really good silly film and you don't have to think there's no crazy twist there's no really over the top dialogue it's just good fun mm. It was that kind of phase in between the sort of John Hughes of the eighties and the American Pie in ninety eight. Massively, like full yeah. proper teen gross out comedies came in to play when it was all about wanking and fucking pies. Exactly. But um, and then it was almost like a a snapshot of the transition in between that. I feel. Yeah, massively, and then there was too much. Then you had like Road Trip, American Pie twenty six. Uh, <laughs> every film trying to jump on that thing, but. Uh, just prior to that, if you get a chance to go and see stuff like Dazed and Confused, um, mm. Fast Times at Richmond High, all those films, brilliant. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Just bought a long face, Horace. I'm just having a little girl trouble. Pressing charges? I get that a lot. Holden McNeil was set in his ways. The way he worked. The way he lived. And the way he thought love should be. But then she showed up. Let me guess. You like her. This girl loves me. There's something you should know. She got a boyfriend. Well, no. Then what's to know, my friend? And this girl's got a secret that's going to drive him crazy. I like you, Hogan. I'd really like us to be friends. What I tell you, she just needs the right guy. What's up? If you come pick me up, I'll be your best friend. Now, the only thing standing in Holden's way is the truth. 
Because I can't take this. Can't take what? I love you. Not in a friendly way. How was your pseudo date? Okay, I'm telling you, she's never even been with a guy. You're dating a guy? So what if it is true? You know you have no shot at getting her into bed. I take it that's not good. Miramax Films presents a comedy that tells it like it feels. Well, she's been around and seen things we've only read about in books. So what'd you do last night? Got lucky. Chasing Amy. So we'll go on now to your last pick and mention that a couple of times and it's Chasing Amy. Um, you said it's in your top five and it's probably his most, um, I don't want to say serious movie. Maybe, 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 I, maybe I do mean that, but um, apart from it being in your top five and if you give us a wee, just a run through the movie, what else about Chasing Amy is it that you love? So the film's obviously about chasing the love of your life that you have mm-hmm. that's a cross between the friend zone and becoming more than that and that lust to love uh, and but also mm-hmm. the friendship that you can have with a dude uh, like a, a a dude romance as well how close you can be with your friends but how the yeah. there's a very fine line that you shouldn't mix between the two um yeah. this film feels the most sort of serious out of the three we've discussed the writing is on mm-hmm. the kind of level of john hughes and it's a beautiful film that discusses um being a lesbian when at that time there wasn't much films talking about gay sex and gay relationships and it's done with respect and raises awareness i think it's brilliant it handles the matter so well and the subject matter should be done as not a silly joke it should be done in seriousness and now better no better time than now than people should be you know, respecting that. Um, I think the performance from Jerry is, for me, her best in her career. I also think it's one of Ben Affleck's as well. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you will cheer him on, you will cringe, you will hate him, you'll love him, but you'll relate in him. You've all made a mistake mm-hmm. in a relationship or as a friendship that goes too far or knowing your boundaries, and he never gets it right. And... He has everything, like we talked about with Brody. He has everything and throws it all away. Um, but Ben Affleck in that film is like nothing else you've seen him ever in. He's not the guy you associate with stuff like um, Armageddon and stuff like that. Is it Pill Pill Harbor? Uh, he he he's brilliant in this uh, and gives a performance that will pull on your heartstrings. Hmm. Anytime I hear the movie Pearl Harbor, I always think of the song from Team America. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that film for ages, but yeah, amazing. It just tails into it and takes a piss out of Ben Affleck before it. But um, yeah, he is fantastic in this, especially his kind of monologue in the car when he admits to um, Alyssa that he loves her is just spot on. And it, it kind of, the speech maybe goes on a, a bit too long, but it works that yeah. way because you feel like he could have maybe cut off at a certain point, but he just pushes it a wee bit more and. The, we can go full spoilers, but we know these. I should have said at the start. Um, it's the point where the two of them. It's the payoff, isn't it? Well, yeah, the, the build-up yeah, for this yeah, payoff yeah. is incredible because mm-hmm. it's shot in the rain as well, and it's hammering it down, <laughs> and it adds to it. It adds to this drama and building the scene and the emotion. And mm-hmm. maybe don't spoil it. Maybe maybe let people see yeah. how how it becomes because it is too long. That dialogue, it's way too long but then it all makes mm. sense why it's long. 
as you've said, in terms of Kevin Smith's writing in such a short space of time, from Clerks to this, uh, this was ninety seven, I think, wasn't it? Um, nineteen ninety seven, yeah. So his way of writing has certainly becomes more subtle because I think a lot of the the talking Clerks and maybe Mallrats, certainly for Jay, is quite homophobic. Yeah, the language he uses, and in the nineties. The homophobic language when it was in music or cinema was certainly more accepted. But it feels like in this one, when it's getting used in terms of Jason Lee's character, with um, Banksy, Ed- uh, Banksy Edwards, Banksy, he, he is the bad guy's the wrong word, but he's the the one you're not meant to react to or yeah. not meant to feel anything for in terms of how uh, his opinion the way he is, and it feels like that's kind of developed in Smith's writing. Yeah, I think. I was reading an interview with Scott Mosher and they never would have made Chase and Amy if it wasn't for Morat's bombing. Uh, it needed kind of a wake-up call and a bit of a shake to Kevin that you don't go from clerks on a budget of 70,000 to a few million for Morat's. And because mm-hmm. Morat's bombed, it kind of reset everything. And I think he okay. needed that to be grounded and go, right, what was it that I did that made these films so good at the start? And mm-hmm. it was the basics of good character development, good script, great dialogue, making sure these lines are delivered by the right people. And that's why Chase and Amy work so well. I keep raving on about him, but Ben Affleck, Jason Lee, their chemistry is unbelievable. Mm. Yeah. And it's a movie that ends, again, as we said, we won't spoil it then, but it ends quite on a somber note. Yeah. Things don't go as you would expect or as planned in certain rom-coms anyway. Um, could never predict it in a million years, could you, with the, what, the, the outcome of that film? And as like you're saying with uh, Ben Affleck's character, kind of comparing him with Dante, he's got everything and they man- he manages to fuck everything yep. up. We can all relate yeah. to that. We've yeah. all been there and <laughs> been given this opportunity or had someone in our life that we just didn't appreciate it at the right point time of what we had yeah. uh and that's not to get too heavy but it's only when it's gone you realize that it was something really special and god it's a gut punch and you just want to slap him around the face don't you Aye, definitely and so you were saying about obviously the, the car scene is that your favorite scene in the yeah, movie by a mile mm-hmm. um yeah it's weird because we've talked about it and we haven't delivered what happens but just watch it i hope that somebody hasn't seen it that's listening to this right now and then goes do you know what i'll check out chase and amy you'll probably get it in cx for about a pound on dvd yeah just watch it it's it's such a (laughs) gut punch it's such a Mm -hmm. an amazing performance and i I, honestly i mean this now after today's podcast review i'm going to watch it again it's been a few years um yeah and it's not because i need to watch it every week to appreciate it it's just so good it needs to be the right time to enjoy it. And I feel like I'm in the frame of mind now to go, yep, this is why I love it. Yeah. And it also doesn't it doesn't kind of scrimp on the comedy. Um, Jane Silent and Bob have one scene in this, and they're not particularly uh, as kind of scooby-doo-ish as you will, as we said earlier on. It's just a, a scene more for exposition yeah. that Silent Bob has the main lines in it. Um, but the opening of this movie at the, the Comic-Con where... Uh, Banky gets called a fucking tracer. Fucking love and it. And starts a fight. Starts a fight with Casey Affleck and Scott Mosier. It's um, amazing. And to, I was looking through the cast list and I couldn't find a, a 
cash photo for is it Hooper? Yes. Yeah. So it's by Dwight Yule. So I don't know if he's done much else, but he's excellent in this as well. Yeah. We are. He's so over the top and so dramatic and so camp. It's brilliant. It's mm, it's so yeah. good and oh God, uh, the the comic book scene later on where it's like a Q and A uh, and <laughs> he pulls out a gun, doesn't he? Yeah, that's what is what's in being. Yeah. That's what's in being any fucking because he's going on about Darth Vader being a black man who deep down wants to be white according to the so good. And he goes from the almost the kind of stereotype of. The, the movement that he's trying to kind yep. of sell, the sort of Black Panther style uh, Black Rebellion, and he then <laughs> changes on a dime into full-on camp, as you're saying. Like this is, <laughs> the scene where he signs a, I think he signs a comic book in a record store for a wee boy, and he just changes to sign that comic book for the wee boy and points to Ben Affleck and says, he's the enemy, this is the one you want to fight against. It's just pitch oh, I'm watching it tonight. I am there. watching this tonight. <laughs> Because that's again, you get their first introduction to Julia Lara Adams and Alyssa because she says, I need to stop being on panels with you or at least go before you because you always fucking do this. And I imagine that that's what it's like with Kevin Smith now doing this roadshow tour that Dante gets mm. to go on, uh, Brian O'Halloran or uh, Randall, Jeff Anderson, and they probably get to talk a little bit. And then as soon as Kevin's given the microphone, <laughs> it's like game over. Like this guy, you ask him one question, he talks for two hours. Hmm. Must be a perfect guest then. Well, I'm really working hard to get him back. Uh, mm. It will happen. It really will. But it's just about yeah. timing. Yeah. Yeah. What do I say to him? Nothing will do to you, you fucking drink, sir! I'll take the chocolate around your dead fucking body, you fuck! Would you get him out of here? Hey, wait a second! He jumped me! You fucking tracer! Your mother's a tracer! Can I explain the audience principle to you? If you insult and accost him, then we have no audience. He started it, fucking cock knocker! He's lucky I didn't put my pen through a thorax! Need that remind you? Curtains in ten minutes. Okay? Perfect, so that wraps up the three uh, particular movies that we're going to discuss today. What other stuff, what other of Kevin Smith's work would you say are a must-watch? Like, if you like these three oh, movies, God. for whatever reason, you've not seen any of So else. go and see Clerks 2. Clerks 3, I think, is coming out digitally in the next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. If you can watch those three as a trilogy, you'll be blown away. The acting gets better, the film gets better, it's funny, it'll make you cry. You'll fall in love with characters you didn't realize you needed in your life. You'll relate to stuff. Perfect little trilogy. Mm. I really hope they never make a Clerks 4 because it's it's the perfect ending for me. Um, yeah. Go and see Red State if you can. It's Kevin Smith doing horror. When I first saw it, I didn't love it because it changes. The tone changes very much like from Dust Till Dawn. It's quite a serious film. And yeah. I'm not spoiling this for anybody. There's a moment where everything changes and then it becomes a Kevin Smith film, uh, a typical mm. silly kind of ending. And mm. as frustrating as it is, it reminds you that it is directed by the guy that gave you Jay and Silent Bob. But Red State <laughs> is harrowing. It's terrifying. Mm. And the scariest thing about Red State is it's happening in the real world that we live in uh, more now than ever. And there are people mm. that are involved in religion that are just terrifying um and i'm saying that with respect so i'm not going against anybody in certain religions my god but 
the way these people are uh, anti-abortion and the way they go out and carry these movements of protests are horrendous and if you live in America, you'll see this happening in you in your environment and world every day. And it's Kevin Smith nails yeah. this film. Um, John Goodman in that film is amazing, but Michael Parks is on another level. Yeah, he's excellent. It's very um, is it whisper? That's the one. Judge. Yeah, because I saw the Louis Fru yeah. episode on it, and uh, it's it's scary. The more you read about those guys, Tusk is crazy. Um, I, I start to love it more as time's gone on. I didn't like it when I first saw it, but I actually appreciate for what it is. Yoga Hoses doesn't work for me. Um, it's a fan film, um, but it's Kevin Smith at his most stoned, I think. Um, and I adore him, but since he smoked weed, since Zach and Miri make a porno, you've seen his writing getting a bit more crazy and a bit more, I don't know, not lazy, but it's not as fine-tuned as his early work. For me, it's Dogma. Dogma's my favourite. I can't believe I haven't mentioned Dogma. I just... I've sat here <laughs> and I'm talking about his greatest achievement, yeah. You talk to me yeah, about Dogma. Well, tell me why you love Dogma so much. I think it was just the time that i seen it. It was perfect age, kind of young teenager. There was violence in it. There was kind of over-the-top comedy. And I was at an age of religion. Was uh, I was brought up Catholic. Yeah. And I was at an age where... I, I mean, I'm not anymore, so that kind of tells you where I've went with it. Um, and it was at that age that I just kind of started questioning things a bit more. I'm going to so send you a Buddy Christ doll. In fact, we've seen Buddy Christ in Clips 3. Yes, on the, amazing. On the kites. <laughs> the kites are flying. So good. So good. Um, yeah, and the Buddy Christ thing, and, and a thing made Carlin. Um, George Carlin is brilliant in it as well Just he's phenomenal and he's back. he's phenomenal yeah. in uh, jersey girl as well and it's like one of kevin's mm. idols and again he's no longer with us is he um what no. a beautiful human being and so funny uh and delivers mm. an amazing performance but um again affleck in that with matt damon um those mm. two together yeah. my god the chemistry and uh what's his name from die hard i'm terrible with names alan rickman oh yeah my god I Oh, that performance in that, and then Alanis, Mor- Alanis Morissette, like the cast is incredible. Chris Rock, yeah, it's it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I, I kind of believe I missed out Alan Rickman, who's Jason Lee as well. Jason Lee plays plays a demon, amazing, that loves air condition. Um, yeah, um, the performance of Alan Rickman is the angel. I can't remember his his character name is the angel, and he's just so done with everything. He's so just. Alan Rickman-esque almost like they just can't be fucked but he's got to do it to try and save the world sweet Jesus do you have to use the whole can who the fuck are you and what the fuck are you doing in my room I'm the one that soaks it she's the one that's surly and that's rich get the fuck out of here now or you do what exactly hit me with that fish Just sit down on the bed and shut up. Jesus, wept. Look at my suit. Look, just take whatever you want, but don't kill or rape me. Don't give over, will you? I couldn't rape you if I wanted to. Angels are ill-equipped. See? I'm as anatomically impaired as a Kendall. 
Weirdly, I'm um, trying to get my wife into Kevin Smith, right? So she's mm-hmm. never seen any of his work. And we watched Clerks 3 as a screener because we got sent it because I was interviewing mm-hmm. um, Brian and Jeff. And she right. said, well, I'll watch it with you. I said, trust me, you won't like it. It's ridiculous. Um, it's the third part of a silly trilogy. I don't think you'll love it. And she watched mm-hmm. it and she was looking at me like, who are you? Like, why did I marry you? You're finding this funny. But then by the end, she was like, okay, that was good. I enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, when the time's right, I'm going to sit with her and watch Chase and Amy. And I know she'll love it. But Dogma is mm-hmm. a funny one because it's crazy. I mean, there's a bloody poo monster in it. But Oh, God, I the God, Gath and Shetty. You know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> I think she's going to absolutely adore that film. Um, so I can't wait for the first time we can sit and watch Chase and Amy and Dogma together. Especially in the, the the scene in Dogma where there's just bodies getting dropped from the sky, splatting on the floor. It's just violent, it like full on violence in this movie. It is really gory. It's such a well made film. Mm. Feels like his. Obviously now with Red State and things that are a bit more action based, but that feels like his most actiony movie. I feel like in terms of the story, in terms of the plot, and how it develops. It does feel kind of action movie style with his humour mixed it in. It did with. well as well, didn't it? Like it was on at the cinema, it was a main release on DVD and Blu-ray. People know yeah. Dogma. Even if you're not a massive Kevin Smith fan, a lot of people I know are like, oh yeah, I've seen Dogma, I love that film. Mm-hmm. And it also, I think it pissed off the right people. Yeah, massively. And he was protesting, yeah. wasn't he? He was in with the protesters, like getting on himself on CNN and stuff like, yeah, this is awful. It's like all publicity for his own film. Absolute genius. Exactly. <laughs> Is it no, no, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Aye, I remember. I think that's how I found out about it, probably in the news or something. That pops up, you know, it was quite a, a, a pop culture phenomenon at the time. Um, but yeah, Kevin Smith, then, as you're saying, an icon for yourself. Is, is he your favourite filmmaker? Oh my God. It's really difficult, right? Because I have different days. So, as a filmmaker, Steven Spielberg made Jaws, and that's probably my favourite film ever made. As a work of a film, as in what went into it, how he portrayed it. But my favorite film ever made is Almost Famous. Uh, and that's obviously Cameron Crowe. And I think nobody makes a film as good as that. Mm-hmm. John Carpenter is a master of horror. Uh, what he did with The Thing and Halloween and The Fog and Starman genuinely is an absolute genius. But Kevin Smith, if I look back at my life, I've watched his films the most. I've fallen in love with his characters the most. The universe he created, I identify myself in his writing the most. And he's the reason I podcast. So he probably is my favorite filmmaker ever. But then I look at stuff mm-hmm. like Tusk and I look at Yoga Hosers and I'm like, that mm-hmm. isn't the best work ever. But overall, I love everything about Kevin Smith as a person. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. That's a perfect note to end talking about him on then. So, yep, check out those three movies. In fact, just check out all of Kevin Smith's work, I think, is a good thing to say, because even if it's, like, as I said, Yoga Hoser is the only one I've not seen, it's still, it's good to see how he's kind of changed a filmmaker as well, I think. just And the fact he's got Johnny Depp in that, being an absolute lunatic, is incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there you go. That's another cameo he's managed to nab for these movies. Chris, uh, oh God, Chris Hemsworth turns up briefly and... Uh, reboot yeah and he's got um sarah michelle geller in clerks free mm-hmm. and he can pull all the stuff you know he's a, he he knows how to use his friends the right way yeah definitely um so coming up for yourself on mark and me what have you got coming up and you want to uh, talk about do you know what like it's just full on um i mm-hmm. see my schedule and i 
have learned to not really say no to anything when it's a podcast. So they're like, do you want to speak to this director who's bringing out a new film that you won't have heard of, but it might be good? And I'm like, yeah, I do actually, because they're very interesting people and they will talk from the heart and they're not, you know, they haven't been trained with how to deal with press. So as much as you get these incredible, huge people, the underdogs are really great to speak to. Um, Things aren't slowing down at all, but Mm. I have not said this to anybody. Maybe I've texted you this. But mm. I don't like my own work. And that sounds like, what? You're crazy. Like, you should be telling everyone it's the best in the world. But for five years, I feel like I've been trying to discover myself in my own work. So when I look at my podcast, and this sounds quite deep, but it's true. It's like a diary entry each and every week. So here's who I'm speaking to, why they mean a lot to me. I choose the guests. I've got no production team telling me who I need to speak to. <clears throat> People don't realize, but I haven't got a team of editors a social media manager and marketing team it's me so i'll go out there i'll find the guest i'll reach out to them i'll conduct the interview research do all the work involved edit produce market it release it run all the social media and do it all and <clears throat> it's only now i don't know what's changed I, I don't know what it is but only over the last month something's clicked right and I feel like I sometimes just want to go onto iTunes and Spotify and delete 235 episodes and start again. Right. It's yeah. only now that I really have started to enjoy and kind of step back and go, this is all right. This isn't bad. You know, I, I like what you're doing here as a mm-hmm. listener uh, instead of me being the host. And I listened to the last couple of episodes when I've edited them this week and they're not out yet. They'll be out in the next two weeks. But it is genuinely my best work I've ever done. And I, I'm someone that will every week, and my friends and family will tell you this, will always say, oh, you know, I'm not being arrogant. Oh, I don't, please don't think I'm saying this is good. But now I'm like, this is okay. And in Mark world, okay is pretty <laughs> a huge deal. Uh, so I'm really excited right now because I feel like I'm just launching again. Mm-hmm. So when you say what's coming up, some of my best work uh, and like a whole new era for Mark and me. I want to get into the world of videos. I want to start doing a bit more for my Patreons. I'm, I've got mm-hmm. some ideas I'm not quite ready to share yet, but I want to kind of do something new. Um, mm-hmm. And I've got some huge names coming on. You know a couple of them, I told you, offline. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I won't mention if this was video, you could just see the jealousy all over my face. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> if I <won't> particular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, you're saying your stuff's okay. I think it's great. And I've came to it quite late in terms of how long you've been you've been doing the podcast for. But just your, um, how you make the the chat natural with people who I assume you as well are in awe of. Like, it must be quite a, a difficult thing to do. And I think it's just what you're doing. Is I think too many people will prep too much uh, and sit there in notes and try and tick off the questions as they're going along to, like, oh, I must ask about this. I must mention this. I must. And what I've learned is just to talk to someone like I've talked to you today, like I've known you for years. Mm-hmm. We've only been talking a couple yeah. of months online, but I feel like I know you really well now. We, uh, we talk in interact every day. And when yeah. a guest comes on, it doesn't matter if they're Mads Mickelson. I was sat with Mads Mickelson. And he bought me Red Bulls and coffees and beers and he was smoking all day. And we spent like hours, but the interview is only about 25 minutes because it was just getting to know each other. Uh, I talked to Everclear last week and it's like talking to an old friend. And it's Mm -hmm. sometimes surreal that I get to talk to bands like Feeder, who I've listened to as a kid all my life. Um, And some of these artists I've had on blow my mind. But then I just 
I just do it my way and just have fun and talk to them and don't ask the same questions that they always get asked. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. Because like, these guys, as I say, with Mads Mickelson there, he spent hours with them in interviews, 20 minutes. These guys have got press sessions that last days and they sit in one hotel room. One journalist comes in and the next one comes in. It must get quite repetitive and tired yeah. for them. But if you're coming in with an attitude of, let's have a beer and a yeah. chat, they're more, they're more receptive. And it works. Time. They love the fact that when I walk yeah. in, I'm like, well, let's not talk about the new James Bond film where you're the villain. Let's talk about why you were a gymnast. You know, like, oh, right, okay, cool. This is a bit different. Yeah. And was I've not uh, listened to the Mads one. Was that based around another round coming out? Was no, it's it prior that? to that. So at that time, mm. it was all Hannibal. Uh, and we were talking oh, okay. about... Never seen you've never seen the TV series Hannibal? No. Oh, my God. No. Series no. 1 and Series 2 is up there with Breaking Bad as the best TV ever. Right. It's okay. mind-blowing. As a performance, he is absolutely exquisite in that role. And the chemistry he has on set with everyone around him is amazing. Like, one of the best TV shows ever made. Right. I definitely need to check it out. It's just, I mean, I'm so behind on telly. I somehow managed to catch all the House of, Dragon, House of the Dragon because me and my wife watch yeah. that. We don't, it's like, I go horror. She doesn't watch it. No. So if I try to watch something like that, it's a... Uh, it's a bit of a no-no. I took it to see It Chapter 2 in the cinema and I'm still making up for it. Bloody hell. She shit herself. <laughs> it was a terrible film. I really didn't like it. The first one worked so oh, well. Like the second part, it just crumbled for me and I was just like, oh. Uh, I didn't particularly like the ending. No. Um, but I, I did quite like, um, I mean, the cast great. A barren two of them. Um, but yeah, I, so I showed her that and it, it didn't go down well. She's There's just not enough time. Everyone keeps telling me, watch this, watch this show, watch this. Have you watched this one? I'm like, I don't have time. I wish I did. I don't know where my time goes, but I would love to watch all these shows that everyone keeps recommending to me every week. But yeah. I, I find Can myself I just watching Bluey because they're like seven or eight minutes each episode. Uh, I'll enjoy a film now and then. I used to have to watch three or four films a week for Skip to the End. And I think, I've got a letterbox, and I think I've probably watched, I'm not exaggerating now, 20 films this year, maybe 25. Um, But it's just getting the time. I I want to watch a lot of the horrors that people keep recommending to me. Mm, Yeah, there's been a lot of good out this year, especially um, when I've seen Barbarian. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, So... The last thing I do is ask a guest, and I didn't rip this off you, I'm honestly. I'm suing you. Right, I'm getting my lawyers onto I've you. I've money. I mean, you can, you're not having my dog. You can take the cat if you want. I want everything that's in your house, because <laughs> this was my thing. And then when you DM'd me about this, I was like, he seems a nice guy. I'm not going to sue him, but come on. <laughs> honestly, I hadn't heard. Um, but it's... Uh... No, it's just a wee bit awkward. Um, so I don't mind; it's all good. <laughs> so, I basically, for a, I've asked for a piece of music or a bit of a score or soundtrack from a movie that you love. It doesn't need to be any of the ones of three that we spoke about today. It could be from anything. It's tough, isn't it? Because I ask this to everybody, so everyone, all two hundred and something guests, have been asked this. Um, and I never wanted to put myself in the shoes where I had to choose a song <laughs> because I was like, "Where do you start?" Now, my original idea was to pick something Kevin Smith related because it would make sense. So at the start of Clerks 2, one of my probably top five songs of all time, 1979 by the Smashing Pumpkins, I was going to pick because it was very relevant to Dante driving to the quick stop and that amazing little (laughs) hook. And I think Smashing Pumpkins, one of the best bands out there. But when I hear it back, I'm like, 
it'll haunt me that I didn't pick a song that means more. So I'm going completely away from Kevin Smith. And okay. there's a film which I hope you've seen, which is who we've mentioned today, Cameron Crowe, Vanilla Sky. Oh, yeah, I've seen Vanilla Sky. And I think that film's brilliant. I think um, mm-hmm. the way that, and the performance you get out of Tom Cruise on that film is like nothing else. And again, Jason Lee's in it. Um, but there's a song by Jeff Buckley called Last Goodbye. Um, okay. And truly, I am, Jeff Buckley, I think, is the best singer and songwriter of my life. And that album, Grace, for me, is just beautiful in every way. And when I die, uh, I want that song played at my funeral. Um, I think it's one of the greatest songs ever. And to hear that at the end of this, and it's the last goodbye for us on this episode, makes sense. So, yeah, Jeff Buckley, last goodbye. Perfect. Um, Again, thanks very much for giving us the time, and it's been a long time introduction, if you like. To call I think it that. COVID had a, a bit of a hit. Uh, children being ill, uh, mm. a lot of stuff behind the scenes happens, but uh, I hope that it's been worth the wait. Definitely, man. It's been a great chat. See you guys, Jeff Buckley with Flash Goodbye. Okay.